Welcome to Discovering the Law. My name is Attorney Lucy Rivera, and today we have a very special guest. We have Attorney Damien Turco, founder of Turco Legal. Thank and, you, Lucy. It's nice to be here. And Damien is also the president-elect of the Massachusetts Bar Association. Damien, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here today. I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, well, tell us a little bit about your, why did you decide to become an attorney? Why did I decide to become an attorney? Well, so I, I guess I decided to become an attorney because it's a way to help people in a way that most other people can't. And um, I think there's so many professions and so many jobs out in the world where people, that's their sort of reasoning, I want to do a job, I want to do this job because I want to help people. But the thing about being a lawyer is it's, it enables you to help people in really, with really complex issues, with problems really that are bigger than themselves, bigger than they can handle on their own. And so it's just really satisfying to be able to help people that way. And this is why you decided to become an attorney? It is, yeah. No, that's, I, I had some mentors in my life and they were attorneys and um, I, I was a few years out of undergrad working in a corporate environment and my, my boss at the time was a lawyer and so that, that's really what got me more interested in it and I saw how he helped people um, that, were, that were sort of stuck with their particular issues and um, it was inspiring. It was inspiring because I saw is that, that was actually in a role where there was a lot of emotion around people's, the issues that we were seeing and so he gave me that inspiration um, to pursue a practice of law and to help people with problems that were just too complex. Uh, so Damien, you are the president-elect of the, one of the bar associations of Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. uh, could you tell us a little bit as to what bar associations are and particularly what are they for? Yeah, sure. It's a great question. I mean, people have probably heard, a lot of people have heard of bar associations, so kind of know what this, what this thing is, or they've heard of it at least. Um, and it actually means a different thing maybe from one state to another. Some states, every lawyer has to be part of the bar association. It might be the, the board that gives the license to the lawyer. In Massachusetts, that's not what it is. It's a, it's a voluntary association, and there's various associations across the state. There's county bar associations, there's affinity bar associations, there's local bar associations, and then there's the, the statewide bar association, the Massachusetts Bar Association. So that's the bar association I'm, I'm the president-elect of. And um, I've been involved in other bar associations too, but really the, the purpose of them is, is multifold. One, it, it's a place where lawyers can find community because being a lawyer, uh, if you think about it, can be pretty isolating, right? Because you're dealing, you're trying to help your, your client with their particular issue and there might be, it might be an emotionally charged issue. Um, and having community being a lawyer is helpful because you have people around you uh, or people within reach who are dealing with the same sorts of issues. And it's helpful. I mean, it gives you confidence, the, it, it, it helps you give, uh, find mentors and find people to go to to learn a bit. And the Bar Association does more than that. It, does, it educates lawyers, it puts on educational programming, it puts on programs where you can meet other lawyers. Uh, it does things like, um, you know, help support or oppose legislation, perhaps, um, that might be pending in the state legislature. Uh, we, we, we take efforts on to advocate for funding for legal aid, legal services. Uh, so let's talk about that. Sure. Um, specifically about the Massachusetts Bar Association, 
uh, I know you went into generally what all of our associations do. I assume yeah. that's what they do. But specifically, since you're in leadership, mm -hmm. and then I want to know why you became, what, why you joined the leadership of the sure. Massachusetts Bar Association. But tell us what the Massachusetts Bar Association is. Mm -hmm. And for the public, we will refer to the Massachusetts Bar Association as the MBA. Right. Yeah. Tell us what it is, the purpose of it, its mission. Mm -hmm and anything you feel that's important for the public to learn about the MBA. Sure, yeah, I mean, we really view the Mass Bar Association as the preeminent voice of the legal profession. Uh, we have, um, throughout the course of the year, the membership might fluctuate, but it tends to be around 12 to 15,000 members across the state. Mostly lawyers, right, that are practicing out in Massachusetts, um, but many judges are members of the association and law students. There's nine law schools in Massachusetts, so, it's a place where um, a lot of lawyers come together um, as one, and they can step into leadership roles as well. And so if you think about the practice of law, there are many practice areas. You know, many lawyers, if you just sat here and, and brainstormed, you could think of dozens of them. Criminal defense, family law, eviction cases, criminal, or sorry, uh, commercial litigation, patent, intellectual property law. It, it sort of goes on and on. The Mass Bar Association is a place where there's there's subgroups, committees, that oversee and sort of lead on each of these various practice areas. And there's also groups that lead uh, on issues of like practice management, um, mm -hmm. technology integration into the practice of law, and also mm -hmm. some other things that are not specific practices, but access to justice issues, for instance. Now, very important, you are the upcoming president-elect. Next year, it's gonna be all up to you. So, um, tell us, um, what about your role is important, and um, tell us a little bit about your role, actually. What, what's your sure. mission? Yeah. Well, first of all, it is definitely not, not all up to me. <laughs> there are probably a few hundred lawyers, I'd say two to three hundred lawyers that volunteer at the Mass Bar Association and lead uh, the greater population, both members and in the, in the legal community in Massachusetts. Um, but I've been volunteering um, in committees and section councils for several years now, and I've worked my way up through the officer ranks. So we have a team. We really have a, a wonderful team, and there's a wonderful staff there. In the last few years, as you, as you know, we've been dealing with the issues of COVID. Mm -hmm. um, that's mm -hmm. a big issue, obviously, everywhere, but also in the legal community. How do we keep our courts open? We've collaborated with the trial court as we do, as we have for many, many years, and we will continue to do. Uh, but how do we work as, as leaders in our community to effectuate the um, fair and equitable administration of justice mm -hmm. and to make sure things keep moving. And so COVID was a big focus for the past few years and we've moved out of that. Uh, but we've been focusing on wellness issues, well-being issues for attorneys for, for several years now, uh, and diversity, equity, inclusion issues in our community for several years now. Um, and we have really wonderful momentum on those issues and access to justice issues we mentioned a couple of times but that's a big one as well mm -hmm. um, and so we have more things planned in these areas because these areas deserve more attention they need more work more dedicated minds um, working on them on, on improving um, the challenges that that are ahead of us i have a couple of questions for you following sure. up on what you just said first um, how do you ensure that your membership stays current with the law and the legal issues and the different various changing laws? But also, how does the Massachusetts Bar Association ensure that 
the lawyers have all the resources they need to practice law effectively? Yeah, those are great questions. And so it's nice to have a big association like this because we can sort of, it's like a clearinghouse for all of these resources that we need. Mm -hmm. uh, the section councils uh, will oversee the larger segments, like the family law section or the probate law section, for instance. And they'll be responsible for putting together programming to making sure the, the membership is educated on changes in the law. Uh, and, to, and for the court, for that matter, if there's changes in the court or procedure, mm -hmm the sections will sort of oversee that and make sure they have what they need. And we regularly, the leadership collaborates with the chief judges of the trial courts, the various different trial courts, to make sure changes that they're hoping to see in the trial court, we can support them and help facilitate change that way. And through these efforts, you know, we make sure that our members understand you know, what they need to know to adequately and to, um, to effectively um, advocate for their clients. And then we have other programs like practice management programs where we educate our membership on you know the best practices in running a law practice whether you have a hundred member firm or it's just you uh, running as a solo practitioner so that's these are the various things that we do out there and um, I see that you also do continuing legal education programs we do so we do a lot of that yeah all of the sections and there's I think there's 22 sections now of the Massachusetts Bar Association. And so each one has a council that puts together programming like that. Uh, so there's, yeah, so there's continuing legal education in all of these like individual sec sections. There's also an educational programming program around um, like rising leaders, emerging leaders called the Leadership Academy, which has been phenomenal in getting uh, rising stars into leadership at the Mass Bar Association. And increasing the pipeline. Increasing the pipeline and a very active young lawyers division at the Mass Bar Association as well. Uh, now, Damien, um, tell us a little bit. You, you did mention something about the relationship with the bar and the court. And so how does the MBA uh, join this or, or how does it foster this relationship between the bar and the courts? Well, we have... Um, you know, we have judges that are involved in sections on councils at the Mass Bar Association. We have one particular section called the Judicial Administration section, uh, which is home for a lot of judges that are members at the MBA. But we also have open lines of communication with trial court leadership because things come up. COVID's a great example. Mm -hmm. um, when there's issues, um, we had massive, <coughs> rapid change within our trial court system and the court looked to the bar associations to say, well, let's, we need to get everyone up to speed and educated on, and they needed information from us. They needed to hear from the bar, from the members, from the lawyers that are practicing in the courts, you know, what are the needs out there and how are things working? So it's a mutually beneficial relationship and I, it, it always will be and we'll always have that, um, that free flow, I think, of information back and forth. For our viewers today, we are learning about the Massachusetts Bar Association and we're learning from attorney Damian Turco, who is the president-elect of the Massachusetts Bar Association and also the founder of Turco Legal. Um, uh, Damian, also, would you, you just mentioned uh, the various areas of the law and the challenges that attorneys face or the legal community is facing uh, these days. In what do you believe to be the challenges for the legal community today? Well, there's, there, are, there are many challenges, but there's probably a handful that deserve a lot of attention um, by the Mass Bar Association, by our community. Some of them we've worked on for many years. Access to justice is a major issue. That, and access to justice for the viewers, it's, it's um, essentially this gap 
where um, people really do need their litigants, they're in court, and they really would benefit from having a lawyer, but the lawyer's out of reach because predominantly because of cost issues. Mm -hmm. um, and there's certain segments that you might know, like landlord-tenant, for instance, if you're being evicted, and you have a landlord-tenant case, you're being evicted, and you have a relatively short period of time to defend yourself, um, landlords tend to have lawyers more often than the defendants. It's actually over 90% of defendants don't have lawyers in landlord-tenant cases. And debt collection cases, similar. Debt collection cases are the largest portion um, of the civil docket nationally. There's like, I think, 10 million cases filed a year, and mm -hmm. over 90% of those defendants they don't have lawyers either. Mm -hmm. And so those are two areas where money is the issue, right? So it does make logical sense where people would it'd be out of reach to hire a lawyer. But there's other areas like family law. Family law where I practice, that's where my practice is. Mm -hmm. um, we do divorce and child custody cases. And an area where you would really ideally want to have a lawyer, mm -hmm. an advocate by your side. And 80% of the people in those cases don't have lawyers. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, Staggering. it's, it's unfortunate in a, in a few ways. One, we, there's plenty of research that's been done to determine that when you have a lawyer, you're essentially holding everyone, everyone accountable. You're more likely to hold the other side accountable. Mm -hmm. So in an eviction case, for instance, where you're being held accountable as the defendant for not, uh, for not paying rent, perhaps, the landlord may also have def defects in what he or she hasn't done, that if, if that person was to be held accountable, now there's like sort of, it might not be an even playing field, but it's more, it's a little leverage and it's a negotiation. And so we know when people have lawyers uh, in eviction cases, the percentage of housing instability goes down. So less people are evicted, more deals are worked out. Um, and same, it's similar with debt collection, with, uh, debt collection cases because you, you might have heard of cases <laughs> where people are um, sued for a debt on a spreadsheet and maybe not all the information or documentation necessarily is there. Well, three quarters of people with debt collection cases, the defendants, don't even show up for court. Um, and 90% don't have lawyers. So you, it's hard to hold someone accountable when you, you, know, you really don't know what to do, getting a lawyer is so out of reach. So this is an area where we need to focus uh, and we do focus very much on it at the Mass Bar Association and in the legal community at large. Um, I know you've interviewed other very intelligent, very experienced individuals who have focused much of their career on addressing the justice gap. And that is, that is true. And there are probably thousands of lawyers nationally who have, and that's, that's really interesting because despite so much time and effort and so many brilliant people focusing on this, this problem persists. So we must continue to think of new ways to deal with it. Um, and so that's, that's the sort of thing we're gonna be doing at the Mass Bar Association this year. We're putting together a new fundraising event uh, to try to raise money for legal aid. We're also working on um, trying to integrate technology into um, the practice of law, but also to support legal aid organizations and, and pro se litigants. So that completing court forms, doing intakes, that sort of thing, we can save money and more people can be assisted. Um, and that's part of AI. And I think you also talked about, uh, when we talked about this issue, that diversity, equity, and inclusion is mm -hmm. one of the areas that the MBA is. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. And what is, how is the MBA addressing that gap? Yeah, sure. Well, and there is a significant gap. I mean, there's, um, if you look at the diversity 
across the lawyer population, it's really very pretty far off from where it is in, in the general community. Um, it just the, the two most staggering categories are um, black and African American of the general population. It's 9% in Massachusetts. In the lawyer population, it's 2%. Mm -hmm. In Hispanic Latina, uh, the group, it's 13% in the mm -hmm. general population across Massachusetts. Yes. Again, it's 2% in our, in our legal community. So the percentages are getting much more, it's more diverse with a younger group of um, lawyers. Like we have data on this that we, uh, we got from a demographic study that was done a couple of years ago. So we know like the youngest group of lawyers in our community is much more diverse, but it's a smaller segment of the overall legal community. So what are we doing at the MBA? We are going um, to high schools and we're trying to inspire more young people to get into the practice of law, to pursue the practice of law. And we're trying to be deliberate about it. We are going to communities of color um, we're going to communities um, to try to inspire more people that this is, this is a realistic career path for you and you can really change a lot of things in, in the world by being a lawyer. Uh, now, I also know that the MBA handles the gap in wrongful convictions and what is your understanding as to the MBA's response? when it comes to wrongful convictions. Wrongful convictions, yeah. I mean, we're, we're just really starting to work on this. We have in the past few months. And um, so, but it's a, it's a really interesting area, right? Because many of us, I mean, I'm, I'm privileged enough to know, to learn about wrongful convictions from watching documentaries and Netflix. And the fact that that's where I'm learning about this, that people are wrongfully convicted and there are, um, there's evidence that exists perhaps that um, would justify someone not being convicted any further um, or for a new trial or whatnot. The fact that I've, you know, that that exists in the world is a true injustice. I can't imagine, I mean, I can't imagine having, having to sit in a prison cell and, and not having committed a crime. And so in Massachusetts, actually, it's, it's great. We actually have three different organizations that are focused on, uh, on innocence and wrongful convictions, three different innocence projects. One is done by uh, the Committee for Public Service Council. Uh, one is the New England Innocence Project, and one is BC Law has an innocence program that they run at the law school. And so the MBAs, we're, we're, we're working with them now, all three of them, to learn, to figure out together how can we leverage the resources of the MBA and try to help with this particular issue and bring more justice to more families out there, really? That's, that's the objective. So that'll be one of our focuses this, focuses this year. And so by your membership would staff some of these needs uh, in a volunteer basis? We're, we're working on the logistics of, of how that might work. So the, you know, most states don't have three different innocence programs, so we're lucky in Massachusetts <laughs> to have that. Yes. Um, but what's interesting is they're all really run differently. I mean, the, there are some, there's some lawyers that, uh, many lawyers that take on these cases, they'll stay on the case for years, years and years. But obviously, BC Law can't do it that way, right? <laughs> because we have students that are coming in and coming out. So there's multiple phases to these innocence uh, cases. One is uh, first like the application phase for people uh, and maybe um, the, the wrongfully convicted individual submitting an application saying, this is why 
uh, I believe I was wrongfully convicted, and these are sort of the reasons, and this is, the, this is maybe where you could go looking to see um, you know, whether um, to sort of investigate it further. Then there's an investigation phase, and then the, the case, if it proceeds past those phases, can go on to, to litigation. So it's we're working with we're working with them at the MBA to figure out what's the best way for us to leverage our membership, um, and I think where we're going to end up settling is a collaboration with more than one of those organizations to get uh, some interested criminal defense lawyers who are members uh, and who know about this uh, to get involved and sort of crowdsource it in a way to get more more person power on this. So we have five minutes left. But that, we can definitely make it go a mile. Tell us a little, I mean, it appears that the MBA does play a huge role in the fairness and equity um, mm -hmm. of the relationship of the bar and the court system and in the justice system. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about it and what's your opinion about it and what's the direction? Right, well, there are people, I mean, we've heard, we, heard pe we hear people say sometimes that they don't think the criminal justice system is fair and so, I would get that um, if I could never get a lawyer, if I couldn't get a lawyer to defend me in court, if that was out of reach for me, or if uh, someone that I knew was, I felt was wrongfully convicted and I sort of knew why. So things like that are, are what we're doing to help bridge this gap. So the MBA uh, is focused on trying to eliminate the sense of injustice through getting people more access to counsel and trying to focus on this other Innocence Project program, and then also the integration of technology into the practice of law, because the integration of technology really can be a game changer, and we know that lawyers are more than maybe other professions, slower, we have a reputation at least of being slower to adopt technology, unless we have to, because every lawyer uses Zoom now, and that was sort of forced upon us, but now it makes our jobs a lot easier. So. Um, there is um, tremendous opportunity in document automation and the emergence of AI and how artificial intelligence can be utilized to improve our practices, to make them more efficient, to deliver more services for less money in less time. And this is what the MBA is going to be doing, is educating our, our lawyer members on how to use this most effectively. Well, um, the MBA is definitely proud of having someone to articulate and well-versed in the issues, as you, Damien, 